0: how can we make our apps more ethically you know, friendly and sustainable, all of those things. And I think that actually comes into place when more people of different backgrounds create these apps and create these um, technologies and actually have a seat at the table. Welcome to
1: the Sheo.world podcast, where you will meet women who are transforming the world to be more equitable and sustainable. Your host for today's podcast is Hannah, CEO, Venture in Residence. Welcome to CEO.World. Welcome, Kyla of WizKid Coding, brand new Canadian venture. Tell me, how did you start your venture?
0: Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, I started my venture about five years ago or maybe... 2016. Yeah, so about five years ago. Uh, And it really started out of my desire to uh, really prepare kids for the future. Um, And especially every single um, industry that we're in really revolves around technology depends on technology, yet so many children did not know how to code. Uh, So when starting my own business with kid coding, um, and we teach kids how to code and other digital STEM skills it really just seemed fitting to start teaching kids to code at a young age. And as I did more research into it, I realized that, you know, coding is just like a language. And yet so many kids from a young age or even in an older age in their teens are not learning or having the opportunity to learn this skill. And if we all depend on technology, this whole entire world, I never go a day without using technology, but only a small sector of people are the ones creating it. Uh, I didn't just think that was fair. So we started in 2016 uh, and we did a small camp and it was teaching kids the basics of JavaScript and a little bit of app development. And then it's grown so much uh, since then. And it has really evolved into something that doesn't just teach kids how to code, but really prepares them for a digitized feature. Okay, you touched on something so important that there's very few people
1: that are actually building the technology. And at that, they're not that diverse. Yeah. Either. Exactly. But is is that the driver for you? Like it's five years ago that it started. How did you just go, okay, I'm gonna figure out how to teach people how to code?
0: Yeah. Well, to go back into a little bit more, how it started is that uh, I had always wanted to start my own business. And I uh, the summer before my senior year of university, I had a consulting job. And two weeks before I was supposed to start, they told me uh, they're not hiring interns anymore. So I had to find something to do. And I learned how to code at a young age, um, mostly because I wanted my Tumblr to look cool. Um, you guys might remember what Tumblr is, or maybe so- not. Tumblr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted my Tumblr to look cool. And so I started to learn how to coat from then. And then uh, w- that summer, thinking about something to do, because I spent, you know, so much time, money, uh, like everything sacrifice on my education. But if I didn't have a job, like the summer before my senior year of university, it would have been nearly impossible to get a job after university. Um, so being somebody who always wanted to start their own business, I started thinking about the things that I was uh, like, that I valued. And I had started an organization, uh, well, co founded the organization in university, a club that uh, helped get women and minorities jobs after university, most of them were consulting jobs. But we noticed that there was a massive demand for coding and uh, like Jobs in the STEM sector, but there weren't many women and people of color who uh, had those skills just because a lot of people weren't going into that. So that was already all in my mind that summer. And then when it came to start my own business, I was like, well, this is a problem. This is an underserved portion of the market. Let's just go do it. And I wish that it was a little bit, you know not that a better story, but like there was so much more planning and all of that type of stuff headed up for it, but it wasn't, it was just, we. I decided to do it. And, you know, I had a great family as a support system and to help me around it. And we went and did my first camp uh, at my family's church at the church that we go to. And we designed the curriculum, we used STEM toys and a whole bunch of other things. And su- not surprisingly, but the kids loved it. And then from there, we just kept on going. So, yeah
1: kept on going. So, I mean, it is a great story. You essentially built this coming out of university or in while well, in university yeah. and looking at the market and what that looks like. So that was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Where are you now? How many kids and, and, and what markets are you in? What does it look like now?
0: Yeah, so the company has definitely evolved and really grown since then. In the beginning, it was really just teaching kids how to text based code. And then it's evolved into really teaching kids how to, you know, thrive in economy in a world that is becoming so dependent on technology, as well teaching them those skills. So uh, our classes range from Python coding to text based coding, to animation to game development. And we've really stuck with our learn through play philosophy. We don't try to replicate the classroom. So we want kids to come into WSK coding, learn, have fun, um, socialize, but also develop key skills that just won't make them a better coder, but will make them a better student. Because everyone doesn't have to become a programmer, but everyone should understand technology from a basic level, um, and build those problem solving skills to make them better students. So um, that's really where the curriculum has evolved to. And then as far as the business, um, we started off teaching class um, classes in schools, and now we predominantly teach online. And it was a trajectory that kind of happened quicker than we thought it was going to. We've always wanted to be online, and we had planned to go online mostly, um, but the pandemic definitely sped that up.
1: So I was going to ask you, so you went from being, so you were doing this, you were teaching this in the classrooms?
0: Yes. So we were in many schools in Ontario and also a few schools overseas. And we uh, would go into the classroom, the uh, instructors, and I often would be there a lot of the times and teach kids in in in-school classes, after-school classes, camps, et cetera, et cetera. And then COVID hits and you're like... For some people,
1: it can destroy their business Mm -hmm. and others is like, how do we pivot this again? And so what have you noticed with that pivot online? What's been struggles? What have been bigger wins? Would you want to go back to Mm in-class? What does this look like for you?
0: Yeah, well, you know, when COVID hit, it really, we just decided, you know, this is not going to break us or stop us. Um, There's a reason why, you know, I had never planned to go into the education industry and it's the reason why God has put me in this place. So it's no mistake. And all of this couldn't happen for waste. So we just really went full steam ahead in our online classes. We adapted our curriculum to online. We, a lot of it we couldn't do uh, you know, online, but we took what we could and focused on developing new curriculums that are work for our online model. Um, and we really decided, you know what, we're not going to do um, many or any classes at the moment that are self-paced. We wanted live online classes, because the one of the greatest things about WizKate Coding is you come into the classroom, it's this environment, the teachers like play music as you come in, you get high-fived, you are being encouraged to be the best person that you are. And I didn't want any of that to be taken away just because we had to do virtual classes. So we kept the classes small, we kept them live. And uh, to be honest, our business has grown and in- honestly, I think become better since going online. We've been able to reach so many more kids. Our goal has always been to empower children everywhere um, through teaching them how to code and other um, important STEM skills. And we could truly do that because we now teach kids in over 20 countries because we have an online model. So we're really happy with how it went.
1: Good for you. I I had chills through that, especially because you also are holding to your values where Mm -hmm. you're like, I still want that high five. I still want that encouragement. And -hmm. and the piece where you really were like, I don't want you just to be a good coder. I want you to be a great learner, a student. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to actually This is throwing it a little bit on your head, but I would love to get your thoughts and opinions on an article that I kind of quickly read. It was a few years ago, but a a few of the big tech companies, Google, Facebook, and the leaders of, of them kind of came out and said to the schools, stop teaching your kids how to code because what you're teaching them is too old, it's too this, it's too that. And what we need are people that are empathetic, that are great learners, that can work together. We'll teach them the how to code because the, and I'm talking about the traditional school system here mm-hmm. is too far behind. Mm-hmm. And then you have, and, and I looked at that and was like, yes, I know that from my traditional school system, my kids they honestly are walking out barely knowing how to use email. Mm -hmm. In the school system. And so now we look at a company like yours that in a way is saying, yeah, we get it. The schools aren't teaching that. We can do that and actually prep them to also be better humans in this because we need
0: more than just white men that are designing our technology, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And what I would say regarding that article saying stop teaching kids how to code the school system is yes, education has always been behind the bowl of what the, you know, economy actually is what industry actually needs. Um, and it's also we've spoken to people in government about, you know, because they try to integrate coding into the school, and it never really works in an effective way. Because you have a teacher who's teaching 13 other subjects. Um, technology is always evolving. That's why our curriculum, we have people in our curriculum team and our curriculum literally changes all the time. We're always adding new courses, taking some out of the um, the shuffle because it's just changing. Um, and as a company, we're able to stay on top of that. But as a school, like school systems, they have so many other things that they are responsible, so many other places that they de- try to develop children. So I understand that sentiment there, but I also, um, There's like, I forget what the, um, article was, but there's a correlation between those who grew up by computer labs and those who are like the billionaires in these like amazing tech companies. Right. Like I think it was Bill Gates or someone from Mac. I forget who it was, but he grew up by like a university that he had access to computer labs. So he was able to learn how to code be introduced to computers. So. I think it's a little too far to say you know you just teach them how to be good people because you know the other schools are doing that too but the schools that have money are also teaching them how to you know code and all of those other things and i think you might be um even creating a more tech like tech inequality by just saying you know teach these kids how to be good people so yeah love that yeah i love that you Are you getting requests from adults?
1: Like I wanted to, I'm a parent and I see the value in this, but are you now at the point where
0: adults are like, Hey, I want in on this too. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been at that point, like since the beginning, parents are like, oh, like I would love to learn how to code to or oh, I have like a 17 year old son or daughter, they would love this. Um, and we've really, you know, for the most part have been focused on our core age group, which is between seven to 14. And then we started adding the younger kids because we realized, okay, we could teach them key math and STEM and problem solving principles from a young age, um, even before them learning how to read. So we went into that. And And that was really, and has been really successful. And now we're launching programs for, you know, teenagers in high school, and then also those who might wanna make a career switch. So pre-employment programs. And the reason why we're doing that is because we never, you know, our goal is to prepare uh students for this changing digitized economy and i don't want someone who's gotten all of these great coding and stem and game development skills at 12 to then not experience anything else like that until they you know go into college and then they're less likely to go into engineering or pick a coding job because they just hadn't had the opportunity to grow those skills. So we're launching pre employment programs and programs for teens um, to really be able to take a kid all the way from when they are three years old. Yes, we have students that young, all the way up until they decide to go into the workforce. Three years old for real? Are they really learning how to code? Well, you know, when they're that young, reading is a big problem. Like they don't know how to read that well, but you could still learn the principles of coding um, at a young age through symbols, through math, like teaching them about loops and functions with symbols. And you'll be surprised, like, you know, you see kids online that like speak seven different languages and are doing like math, like all of these crazy math equations. And we sometimes we think, oh, that kid is a genius, but it's no, that kid just has been exposed to problem solving from a young age and has been taught how to do those amazing things and any kid could really be like that
1: I am surprised and I am amazed and I think that's so incredible and I love how you're like this is another language to learn and and that's the ages in which to do those types of things absolutely did I really hear that you're in how many countries now we're in over 20 countries yeah (laughs) 20 countries and like what does it take your team and everything to kind of execute on on something like this like how to move this forward
0: definitely um in the pandemic our business grew a lot um and we you know our classes are doing really well and we often have to say like to parents oh like you know we don't have any spots left um which has been hard uh but if because we've grown quicker, it's definitely cost us to have be more organized. Um, we've had to hire more people because I can't be the one doing kind of the administrative work and the marketing and everything else um, and really take a look at our systems and be like, okay, this is where we are now. What do we need to sacrifice or what do we need to build, put in place so we could be where we want to be in six months from now, in two years from now? And that really just is trying to make sure that everything runs smoothly, putting in those procedures so that we could say, okay, we have X amount of instructors. Now we want to have like three times as much in the next six months. What does that look like? And who do we need to hire to be able to do that?
1: And so it's not just like a course where you sign up and then you take it when you want. Like these are live classes, which I actually think is pretty much key in any type of learning is the live pieces. So you're, you're not even doing this the lazy way.
0: Yeah. And trust me, it would be really a lot easier if it wasn't live. Like I think about this, you know, most of the times it runs smoothly. But then I'm like, Oh my gosh, if it just wasn't live, I wouldn't like be worried about if this class is happening or not. And I mean, we have ways to check and the classes, you know, 99% of the time it runs smoothly. Um, but it definitely is like you live with a little bit of sense of anxiety like, okay, it needs a human to actually execute this class. Um, but it goes well we hire really great um, graduate and like um, senior university students who are computer science students to teach these classes and they're so committed and it's great because it's a great job to have as a university um, student and you know uh, they love it they're happy we try to make it a great workspace environment so that you know they want to come to work and they want to inspire the children that's amazing what are you seeing in the terms of in your industry what's the future of coding
1: the future of tech what are what are some movers and shakers like what are you maybe what you're doing also but what are you seeing in the industry what's next
0: yeah you know it's hard because i like i keep on i like i say tech industry a lot too but i keep on thinking what industry doesn't involve technology um but yeah, I,
1: I would i also go back and say hi facebook and google are actually not tech companies they're marketing companies because they yeah. make their money by ads that's a marketing company exactly. so i know it's a weird word i agree yeah. with you yeah but
0: i think when it comes to like we could say the tech industry is really you know ethical design i think people are realizing uh you know that a lot of the Apps and just the way they go about their life and the way technology is in their life that this is not healthy. Um, And they want to figure out ways, you know, how can we make our apps more ethically, you know, friendly and sustainable, all of those things. And I think that actually comes into place when more people of different backgrounds create these apps and create these um technologies and actually have a seat at the table um so that's something that i'm really passionate about
1: oh i love that you said that i had chills and it was (laughs) there was an interview that melinda gates did and where they were talking to her about coding and so on and of course like everyone's like, she's not just someone's wife, which Mm -hmm. she gets a lot. Like she was engineering and doing all of these pieces. And, and they said, you know, are you so excited about the future of, they were talking, I think of VR, virtual reality and like all the things you do. And she actually said, no, because Mm -hmm. she said the same people are at the table creating this. Mm -hmm. And so what world do we want to live in? We need to have more diversity in the At the table, there needs to be Mm -hmm. more ethical pieces and like, and I was just like, oh, wow, to hear Mm -hmm. someone going, oh, no, we're just creating the same stuff all over again, who's been in these industries forever and has seen the inequities firsthand. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I think it's a really important piece. And then how do we do it? We do it by having companies and funding women like yourself that are already doing this and are creating it. This is how we change that. So thank you for, maybe we should be thinking that company that was no longer taking interns. <laughs> maybe.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> because to it all the time. Here you are. Yeah. If that didn't happen, like I would have been in very happy in probably a consulting job because that's like what I wanted to do before I started my own business. But yeah, it's funny life. Everything happens for a reason. I strongly believe in that. Yeah.
1: Yes. So do you have, you know, you're, you're a younger entrepreneur, you know, Mm -hmm. this is a podcast. People can't see you. I can see you younger (laughs) entrepreneur. What advice do you have for other
0: other entrepreneurs?
1: You've been through it. It's been five years. What would you, what would you say?
0: Um, I would say two things like, don't get, I think it's called analysis paralysis, like where you're like, I have to have everything right. I have to have all of these credentials in order to, uh, you know, start something. Like I was an English major. Like, yes, I learned how to code when I was younger, but like, I, I'm i not an engineer. I'm not a computer science student. I am very self-taught. Um, I was an English major. <laughs> I say that again, like I wasn't in business or engineer. I was an English major. Um, And I did not have any plans to start my business is when we started it Uh, but I just knew it was something that I wanted to do I didn't have all the answers and I said but who actually has all the answers and went out and did it and there's some like statistic about how men will go out for jobs that they know they like can do, they like know they can do, I'm doing air quotes for everyone can't, who can't see me. And women go out for jobs that they're like absolutely qualified, like they have all of the credentials, right? Um, and I think that stops us, especially women, it stops us a lot for actually achieving our goals a lot quicker. So I always say like, you know, we have the internet, you have two eyes, you could read, um, you could work hard. If you have those things, then you could really accomplish anything that you want to.
1: Yeah. And saying that there's still so many barriers that are out there because we don't have equal access to internet and we don't have all Mm -hmm. of these things. However, this is why we need to be funding and supporting women that are really not just building a business, but building a business that matters, that has heart, that has values and Mm -hmm. uh, is is creating the next world we're going to live in in tech like yourself. Yeah. So how, you know, kind of wrapping up what's, I know you're a new venture and this year has been so crazy in Canada because we were able to accept all semi fi- semifinalists in and what would be kind of, yeah, what's been your experience like, or would you tell other entrepreneurs to apply in your short time with us? What's it been like for you?
0: Yeah, it's been really incredible. I think one of the things that Shio does really great is they really look at the entrepreneur, they look at the business. Um, they're not, oftentimes when you apply too many things, it's like a lot of red tape and a little like, like, ah oh, got you, like trying to like, not that they're trying to mess you up, but it's like, you don't know what this is like, but um, Shio's not like that at all. Uh, it was such a, it is such a welcoming community. And um, I don't want to just say it's such a welcoming community because it also is a community filled with so many um, dynamic and successful women that give you such great advice. And I would tell any entrepreneur to definitely apply. Um, They really set you up for success and they're there to help you and there to help your company grow. Um, And it's just been such an amazing experience so far.
1: It's so great to have you in with the ventures and my, my piece I'm wondering about is how can we help you? That is as a venture, also as a CEO venture, the one thing that struck me as being in, in the community is the community calls or the things I would show up to and talk to other activators really every time is like, how can we help you? How can we help you? And so to anyone listening to this podcast, how can we help you? How do we get involved in your company? What, what do you need?
0: Yeah. Well, I think one thing that would be amazing is if you you know go check out our website and if you have any children that are interested in taking classes um always reach out to us or there's classes on our website that would be amazing, and you know it. Eh. It's hard, asking for help is hard. But I think that that's honestly the main thing. Uh, and if you ever have any questions regarding starting your own business or you know getting your kid interested in STEM or coding, uh, always feel free to reach out and ask. If, contact me or even just contact like info at WSK coding and somebody would be there just to talk to you and help you to understand what STEM is, what coding is and why it's important. So where can we find you? What's yeah, so our website is Wizkid Coding, so wizkidcoding.com so dot And then our socials are at WizKidCoding at almost everything. So you can find the company there. And then also, if you want to reach out to me, you could just uh, contact me. I'm Kyla Bolden on LinkedIn, and I'm always happy to chat. It's always so nice to connect with other women um, and business owners and just people in general.
1: So amazing. Tell us what is next for WizKid coding.
0: Mm-hmm. What's next is that we, you know we're single-mindedly focused on achieving our um, goal, which is to teach kids how to code, well teach in people how to code anywhere. So I want you to be in some remote area and you have, hopefully have access to internet um, and be able to go online and take one of our courses. Um, and we're even finding that a lot now that, you know, people who are in like remote areas of, you know, the world who homeschool, their kids are taking our courses because it's a great way to learn and socialize. Um, But through that, we are expanding our online presence. We are expanding our courses, expanding our courses for older children. So really staying true to that mission, but looking at every facet of what that actually looks like and how we can improve on that.
1: Kyla Bolden, WizKid Coding, you better watch out um, and get your kids involved and Anything that you can do in terms of really supporting this venture, I'm sure you will see her around all year. Thank you, Kyla. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sheo.world podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women at Sheo.world.